Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. So how's everybody's week going? Yeah? Yeah? Man, I've been hearing so many amazing testimonies of you guys are out and about, and it's like, yay, God. Yeah, it's so wonderful. And um, we had some wonderful prayer time. Thank you, Becky and John, for sharing. You guys need to do more of that this morning at, at uh, intercession and communion. So it's awesome. It's good. Well, praise the Lord. Just a couple of uh, quick announcements. The um, Pentecost Sunday is this coming Sunday. So, yeah, we have, uh, I'm just real excited about some things that... Um, are unfolding, let's just put it that way. And uh, yeah, I'll just hold that for Sunday because I'm about ready to. Um, Thursday night evangelism training, so that was good. I think there were 30 plus that were out uh, last Thursday night. Uh, that'll be again Thursday night, uh, this coming Thursday. And then Friday, you don't want to miss Friday night. Um, I know Joe Moody, Joellen, um, Joanne Moody, and um, I don't know her, the other partner, but there's gonna be a night of healing in the tent, so um, just come, just come and be, be excited. Be praying about it Friday, intercede all day long. Just like, come God, come and do your, um, the miracles are, are unfolding. We had, I mean, it was pretty wild Friday night. I mean, um, in fact, when I, when Dylan shares his dream later, I mean, when he shared it, he had two this week, that, uh, the, that the second one was like, I witnessed that Friday night. There was all this like going on and multiple things, people getting saved, delivered, baptized, crying. I mean, people flying in from Ohio. It's like, yay, God. There's people that are hungry and really searching. One, um, I won't share the details, but uh, someone drove in from Raleigh that had been trapped in a sin and uh, found deliverance Friday night. And so when people are hungry, they say, look, I'm gonna go to a place where I can find Jesus. Because let me tell you about my Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he's going to, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, whew, praise God. And then next Wednesday night, quantum worship. So come and uh, we're going we're gonna to have a time. But um, our dance team is also going to be here Sunday morning. Uh, Bishop is going to be preaching. And I'm just excited about some of the prophetic stuff that's going to unlock. So just, anyway. Hallelujah. We're here. Um, I want to get right into it because I want to I want to jump. But the um, the salvation model, you ought to be at a place now where you've got some of the tools of that salvation model down. What is the the interview, the confession, the surrender, the declaration, of course, and then filling with the Holy Spirit. That's in page. We've been doing the the handout model here. So from our Ministry team training manual, that's uh, page 5.5 five through 5.8. Then the healing model, we covered that, page 7.18, which is, at this point, you've already practicing, I'm assuming that, but you got the interview, the diagnosis, the middle ministry selection, is it gonna be a commanding after demonic stuff, or is it gonna be a petition asking the Lord to intervene? And you have to decide what ministry selection, then you do the ministry, then you complete the ministry. So let me ask a question, what is a word of knowledge? (coughs) 
what the Lord gives you for somebody else, right? So it's a, it's, it's a, you, it's known information, but not known to you, and probably the person you're ministering to knows you don't know it, because you don't, and yet the Lord wants to reveal a word of knowledge for what purpose? Why would the Lord give you a word of knowledge about somebody? To, to help them, to heal them, to give information. Uh, power evangelism is one of the tools that the Holy Spirit uses. When you reveal something about someone, I love it when you walk up to a stranger and say, you know, I, I just, you know, we don't get real religious about the Lord told me, thus saith the Lord. Don't, don't do that, please. Because if you're wrong, it, it, the Lord's not wrong, okay? <laughs> so you can walk and say, you know, I, I, I just had this sense that uh, I was supposed to pray for you or when we do the treasure hunts and the Lord, you pray in advance, Lord, show me where you want me to go. Well, Brit's Donuts, that's gotta be God, right? And so, and when we get to Brit's Donuts, you're gonna see the guy with, you know, the, the ball cap with the, the big bling bling, or he'll show you. And uh, if you ask him, right? And so, and it's amazing, I love it when we're on the treasure hunt and I, I write him down and I said, you know, we were praying at the church about an hour ago and the Lord showed me we were supposed to come here and we were looking for somebody that had the ball cap with the bling bling. And, and really? Yeah, so what, he's already got, he already got their attention like, and so, and then you just pray for him and let the Lord lead you. So the word of knowledge is really a supernatural revelation of something that's known. You didn't know it, but the Lord knew it and he wants to set up the divine appointment so you can release it and power evangelism happens. And so, so words of knowledge are, and we all have access to the kingdom because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. And so we have the mind of Christ. So if we can get our mind out of the way and let him have access to this earthen vessel, he can do really wonderful things with it, right? And so it's really just about us. You can have it all, Lord. <laughs> like, anyway, okay. Um, let's look here. Turn with me to page 10.1. So in the module manual, if you go to the page 10.1, what are some of the hindrances to healing and Say that again. Yes. Didn't we start out with, Whoa. <laughs> with words of wisdom? Like for, wasn't that how we started to build our confidence? Yeah, words of knowledge, yeah. In fact, um, I would encourage you to ask the Lord for a word of knowledge. When we started tonight, one of our ladies had a, is anyone here having any digestive issues, stomach issues? Be there online. We've got one hand, two hand, three hands. Okay, four hands, five hands. Okay. So now, why would the Lord tell Megan? Where's Megan? Where's Megan? Why would the Lord tell Megan that she comes up and he says, I just had a word of knowledge that maybe there's somebody needs healing for their digestive system because we've got four people in here that could use it. So why don't you raise your hands again? Megan, come and pray. Lord, we ask you right now to release healing 
Because she gave word of knowledge. Yeah, God, I just pray for each individual in this room right now that raised their hand that needs healing for the digestive system. God, I speak to the digestive system right now in Jesus' name, and I declare complete and total healing. And I just say that it aligns with your word right now in Jesus' name. Yeah. God, we declare that all pain, all inflammation, all um, nausea, anything bloating, it's gone in Jesus' name. Yeah, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so receive it. In the name of Jesus, the Lord, release that. So release it, grab hold of it, say, Lord, that's for me. You can lay your hands on your stomach and say, Lord, I'm receiving that for me in Jesus' name. Amen? Okay, so what are some of the hindrances? You there on page 10-1? The things that can block. So you're praying for someone and it's not going very well or they don't see anything. You could then start the interview process with, um, let me just ask, that sometimes blockage can come or things don't go the way we want them in your prayer time because do you have any unforgiveness against anyone? And I shared you the example of a person that had a child that had been murdered and was in my office and had arthritis and refused to forgive because of the hurt and the wound that happened. And uh, when they did, healing was broken. That was dramatic for me to watch that. Um, so then resentment, anger, bitterness, generational stuff, witchcraft can be, and we're gonna cover that when we get into some of the deliverance stuff. Um, rebellion, the example there, um, I told you about the couple that came to me from Alaska a while back, came up and said, we're having real financial problems. Would you pray that God would unlock some financial provision for us? And I said, well, let me ask you something. You say you guys are married? Uh, no. Um, okay. Are you living together? Yes. Um, tell me some more. Well, he's still married, but unresolved relationship thing. So we're living together. I said, okay, so you want me to ask God to unlock provision for you, even though you're in rebellion and not doing what he's asked you to do. I'm not that powerful. Right? And so... Um, I mean, I could, I could fake it, but I won't. And so I think you need to get your, um, your life in order and take it. Well, I figured they're gonna go back to Alaska and, and have not nice things to say about that pastor in North Carolina. But, um, but they decided, they came back a year later. He had tried, he went back to, he left her, moved out, went back to Florida, tried to reconcile with his wife. She would not have it. There was some infidelity and stuff that had happened in, prior to that. They went before their church in Alaska and repented to the church for their immorality of what had happened. Then they came back and said, would you marry us? And I said, wow. And now I'll pray for your financial blessing, right? Yeah, okay. So, so this, this is that place where sometimes when there's a block, you need to ask the Lord, at what is it that's there? Um, and, and ask the person, are they willing to let that go or make some changes and repent? So then you come into the confession repentance part of it and then you can go back into healing. Okay, that's a review. So what is the primary goal of all ministry? Say it again. Love. Whether you, it's not about gathering how many scalps you can get, right, and how many people you led to the Lord and, and uh, how many miracles. Those are all wonderful, but even if the person doesn't receive the healing 
or the, if you've spent that time and they know that you love them and that you've come at it from that point of view, um, the example where we've seen sometimes we'll pray on missions trips, I've seen our team pray for days in a church, taking different turns for a person in a wheelchair and the family. Um, and at the end of it, we didn't see the manifestation of the healing at that point, but that family knew that God loved them. And so, yeah, and so I just wanna encourage you, don't, we love the miracles, and I remember coming back from mission trips and we had kicked demon butt and we thought we were really powerful and, and uh, the Lord just said, celebrate your citizenship in heaven. It's that whole uh, Luke chapter 10 experience of the 72 that comes back from their mission trip. And the first thing they tell Jesus is, um, the demons listen to us when we use your name. So they were like, yay, it was like, we have power over demons. And uh, trust me, we've been there. And, um, but it's not about the power trip, and it is about him, but it's really about celebrate citizenship and the use of the authority to minister love in the purpose, in the purpose of what he's called you to. So, and then these are some of the hindrances. Okay, let's... Um, Turn with me to Acts chapter two. You're probably real familiar with this. And in the midst of that outpouring, which we're gonna celebrate on Sunday, and you, you know the story, what happens. Jesus tells them to wait for the promised gift of the Father, Acts chapter one, verse four. He told you about this before. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends what he promised he would send. And then he says, and then verse eight in Acts one, he says, when he comes, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you're gonna become my witnesses everywhere. And then in the midst of all that, in the outpouring, you know, there's 120 in the upper room. That number's significant when you hear Dylan's dream later. Um, there's 120, and that, that number's used a lot. So there's 120, and the outpouring comes, and then Peter stands up and says, this is that. This is what Joel promised in Joel chapter two. It's now here. And this is, many of you would probably agree, we think we're in the last days. We're certainly closer in the last days than we've ever been in the last days, right? And so with all the signs, and we've certainly covered that in many different times, verse 17 of Acts 2 says, in the last days, God says this, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So some of the... Um, my prior experiences, this was not allowed in the churches that I was in. Was, it was believed in the cessationist doctrine that um, when the, the gifts died, with the, when the apostles died, and that we didn't need it because we got the word, and that's all we need. It's not biblical, we've covered it, and we're gonna look again in, Acts, in, uh, in, in Corinthians in just a moment. But I want you to see, if you are a man or a woman sitting here, you're in this. And the question is, why are you not prophesying? Well, because maybe I haven't been taught, didn't know I could, I've been not bold enough, I, I don't know. But we're gonna unravel that tonight um, because it says, what'll happen in verse 19, he says, I will cause wonders in heavens above and signs in the earth below. So prophetically, 
let's turn biblically as to why. So turn with me all the way to the back. We're gonna, by the way, we're gonna take probably four weeks of deliverance starting on June 15th after Mary Esther does quantum worship. We wanna get worship in the middle of this. But we're gonna pick up and we're gonna go deep into deliverance because every Friday night we're ministering deliverance. There are people coming. And when Jesse then put out a flyer that says, if you're suicidal, depressed, broken, come. Well, I don't want you to be praying. At some point, you're up there and praying and someone like, I don't know what to do right now. So we're gonna, we're gonna unpack that and we're gonna take some time. We're gonna go through the destiny model, which is what we use here. We've done it, and I'm not bragging or lying. Uh, we've done thousands and thousands of these in mass deliverances, up to 4,000 people in a field in Africa, or we've done them one-on-one, which is what I prefer. Um, but you need to be able to understand the model of deliverance, and if you'll follow the biblical model, you won't get hurt, and the people you're ministering to won't get hurt. And I can just attest, and many of you know it, because you've been with us, that's, that will be the case. So let's, let's now look at, scripturally, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14. So Paul writes to the church at Corinth, they had a lot of questions about gifts, right? Remember in 1 Corinthians 12, he lists the, uh, the, the nine gifts of the Spirit that are given by the Holy Spirit. We covered this a couple weeks ago. We also looked at the, the gifts given by the Lord in the fivefold ministry in Ephesians 4, uh, 11 and 12. And we looked at the God who released an operation. The Father released the operation like a global river. The Lord delivers the fivefold ministry gifts in the body of that operation, and then the Holy Spirit equips the individual believers to do the works of ministry. Okay, that should have been a review. So now let's pick up. He now answers that question about, you shouldn't be ignorant of the gifts, brethren, right? First Corinthians 12. And then he, he says, what's the purpose of the gifts? Verse seven of First Corinthians 12 says, to build and edify the church. Well, then he goes on and says, let me clarify some of the questions and concerns you have about prophecy in tongues. Right, So pick up in 1 Corinthians 14, verse one. Let love be your highest goal, amen. Right after 1 Corinthians 13, which is love is patient, it's kind, it never keeps a record of wrong, right? So right smack dab in the midst of the gifts, we have the love chapter, and then he picks up and said, so now that I've said that, let love be your highest goal, but you should desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So some of the King James, that's New Living. King James says, let charity and desire the spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So there's this deep desire for the gift of prophecy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious but one who prophesies strengthens others. Let me just stop there. That's why we said in the first meeting on protocol for doing ministry team training, if you don't know who's in front of you, don't start speaking in tongues. Because if you have someone that's unaware or thinks you know, tongues are of the devil and that's from my, you know, you're gonna right away, you're gonna mess this thing up. So you might ask them, um, do you mind if I speak in tongues? Or, because you know, 
but usually it's best to not because you can bring this mystery and bring confusion into the midst of leading a person to salvation first or praying for their healing. And so, so generally in the protocol is don't jump into that. That's why he's saying, look, especially if it's an unbeliever, they're gonna, they can get really turned off or religious people can get really turned off, right? They don't, they don't know the word here. So, so it says, so don't speak that ability for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be all mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts. You might want to underline those three things. I have it highlighted and underlined. Prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. So don't be um, an Old Testament prophet that stands up and prophesies doom and gloom, right? Not, not the way we want to go. There is a place for that, and office of the prophet might want to do that, but that's not what we're talking about here, and Paul makes it clear. See, a person who speaks in tongues, verse four, is strengthened personally, but one who speaks by the word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Did you all get encouraged when we had Becky Greenwood's prophecy about North and South, uh, Chuck Pierce's North and South Carolina prophecy, back about the Glory River, the Global River, the Glory River revival, like the whole church is like, yes, right? And so, and then it activates people like the Greens who were at that point not even understanding revival was here yet, they hear that and they line up about 40 prophetic words, they told me, and said, we moved to Wilmington because the prophets told us that's what's gonna happen and we're not gonna wait till July, we're gonna start now. And so that word activated, it encouraged, it inspired, and it released. There's actually this kingdom power in the midst of the release of that word. And so, and it'll ride on. Things like, um, well, I'll leave that. Let's just keep going. So, let's keep going. It says, Number five, uh, verse five, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? So, so the point is, you should desire to prophesy. Then let's skip down. Let's pick up in verse 22. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign, but not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is to benefit of the believers and not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers are people who don't understand the things that come to your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they'll think you're crazy. (laughs) But if there's a prophetic word, wow, okay. Verse 39. So my brothers and sisters, be be eager to prophesy. Don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. So to clarify, if you look at your module and handout there, 13.2, page 13.2, eagerly pursue. And I've kind of defined some of that. Make it your aim, your great quest, earnestly desire, cultivate, so how do you do that? One, when you want something from the Lord, what do you, what do you think you should do? Ask. Ask him, right? Seek, find, knock, the door will open. So 
it would be really good if you, Lord, I, I would like to learn how to prophesy. Would you teach me, Holy Spirit, the elements of prophecy, and would you empower me to prophesy? So, and sometimes the mixing of a word of knowledge and the prophetic go hand in hand. And so, oftentimes, the example I used last week of the woman that I'd been, did ministry a while back who had been trafficked, and I told you, I don't usually cry in prayer ministry, but I boohooed on that one. And, um, but the Lord had given me the words of knowledge. Remember, he gave me a block diagram of about nine phases of this person's life. I didn't know her. I didn't, I didn't even know her name, I wasn't sure. Um, all I knew is that she'd been through a lot and the ministry leader of that particular ministry asked if myself and Jennifer Batson would be involved. And so, so I'm praying in the morning, Lord, give me, some, what, what do you want, do you have anything you would like me to say? I think her name is this. And, uh, and he gave me the block diagram of nine phases of a, of a life that started out really amazing and innocent and then shipwrecked. But the end of the story was beautiful. And I said, wow, so I, you know, I, I was a word, and I, I believed it was a, the Lord knew, he imparted it to me, because I asked him, we're about ready to do ministry on someone who's so broken, and so thank you, Lord. And then I get up, and I, I think I'm done, and I get in the, doing my shake in the morning, and I hear, streetcar named desire, streetcar named desire, in my spirit, like somebody shouted it in my spirit. And I said, I don't know what that is, go on, go on Google, hey Siri, let's, no, she's doing now. And, um, so that was a Marlon Brando thing about a Southern woman who is prostituted, broken, abused. It was the same block diagram in, in, in detail. And I'm like, so I print out three pages of the characters that are in that play. And I put it together and I said, look, I don't know what we're gonna, so I brought, Jennifer, we got, she got there early. I said, look, I don't know what's gonna happen today, but I got, I got this block diagram and I got this thing. Look at this. I don't know if we're gonna even use this, but if the Holy Spirit reveals that, I'm gonna pull it out. We were three hours into about a seven-hour uh, session, and it was raw and it was broken, and we were all, whew. And then I pulled out. I said, I think the Lord, I said, I know the Lord knows who you are. I've just heard enough of your story. Let me show you what he gave me this morning. And I laid out the block diagram for her. And then I said, and look at these characters that have been in this abuse. Because God gave that to you about me? I said, yeah, I want you to see the rest of the story. Now we're into prophecy. We had a word of knowledge but now we're prophetically revealing what is your life going to be. It isn't over. And this is the start of the journey. I want you to see, if the Lord told us these things and you witness to those things, guess what? He, getting electrocuted right now. He's, then he knows the rest of the story if you'll cooperate with your free will. Well, last week, I, let me clarify. Someone told me, you don't want to say alligator tears. I didn't know that. That, that, that's apparently false tears? I didn't know that. Let me just say this. She had big drops falling out of her eyes into the pillow, crying her eyes out. Real genuine, like God loves me and he knows me, right? And so, praise God. So what, sometimes a word of knowledge will unlock the prophetic revelation to encourage, exhort them, right? Okay, so they can go hand in hand. That's why those uh, revelatory gifts are so powerful. 
right? Okay, question. You know, I love your stories, but the, the truth of the matter, for me, anyway, it started like that was amazing. He gave you something specific, you wrote it down, it was in, but it starts sometimes with just... Real small. Tiny little thing. And Good. It, and the obedience, right, is yep. what brings you to where yeah. you are. You've been doing yeah. this a while. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good I- intro. Sometimes it's like, what if I just get this, like, fuzzy picture or a word? We're going to cover that. So let's, I just want you to, I want you to be um, encouraged and also convicted that you are to seek after prophecy. This is a spirit-filled apostolic church and everyone in here needs to learn how to prophesy, okay? And so whether, it, whether you feel comfortable right now doing it or not, it'll be, the, it'll be a tool in the box because when Paul says, I would desire that all of you, and then prophetically, when Peter stands up and says, this is what the Joel prophecy was, and it's here now, and if you're a man and a woman in that last days, which we believe we're in, you are supposed to be prophesying, having dreams and visions. Okay. So let's, let's keep going, and, and then I'm gonna introduce Dylan to share something with, uh, with what he saw. So when you look at eagerly pursue, look at that. It's the desire. Okay, turn... Turn to page 13.3. The purpose of prophecy on that top portion says, encourage, and I gave you some scriptures, convict, admonish, correct, inspire. The true prophet will lead others by humility towards unity. And there are several ways, the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and the office of the prophet. So let me... um, let me quickly share, you remember when um, Philip works in House of Mercy ministry, right? Acts chapter six, right now you got the Jewish widows are cranking at the Gentile widows and it's not working well and it's taken up the apostolic time so they decide let's get, some, let's get seven guys that are filled with wisdom and the Holy Ghost and let's let them handle the cranky widows in House of Mercy my interpretation, right? And so, so they select Philip, who's a man full of the Spirit, and Stephen, right? But I want you to see the rest of the story. So he's a man filled with wisdom and the Holy Ghost, and he's selected, and he now works in the ministry. Several years later, from Acts chapter six, we find him in Acts chapter eight, after the persecution of the church. Stephen's been murdered by Saul. The church is now under persecution, The church is scattered and Philip, the house of mercy worker, ends up on the mission field in Samaria with the half-breeds that are hated in racism. And he's there and you know what happens. Acts chapter eight, Philip is pouring out the kingdom, signs and wonders, people getting delivered, and the, the big guns back in Jerusalem say, Peter and John said, wait a minute, the Samaritans? Philip? We gotta check this out. So they go there. And while they're there, it says, the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them. These are believers who have had the kingdom preached to them, and the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them. So when Peter and John get there, the Holy Ghost falls on them, they start prophesying, they start speaking in tongues, right? Well, let's do the Paul Harvey on the rest of this story. 
Turn with me to Acts chapter, go, go back to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Now this is 20 some odd years later. So you know Philip is still, he's still in the fight. <laughs> I love it, right? And Paul is about ready to, have, he's going on to, to back to Rome and had all this prophetic word that he's gonna go there and he's gonna be tied up and it's not gonna be good for him and the Ephesus elders are all crying, we're never gonna see you again and yeah. Okay, Paul's journey to Jerusalem. But look at the rest, verse eight. The next day, they went to Caesarea, Acts 21, eight. They went to Caesarea, they stayed at the home of Philip, the evangelist. He's now a five-fold minister who started in the House of Mercy ministry, who went on the mission field, but look at the rest of the story. He's now in the office of an evangelist, the one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. Look at the blessing of the whole family. That ministry through that individual of wisdom and what he did 20 some odd years later, he's now married with four kids and they all operate in that same, in the gift of prophecy. So I just want you to see that this is not about apostolic people, this is about faithfulness in ministry to work out the call that you've been called to and be patient in it and it may be the legacy of your children. But at this point, he's still the evangelist. We don't know, remember, this is just examples of the stories. He said there would be volumes written if we told you everything everybody did. I, I love, I wanna, get, I wanna get Philip's volume when I get there. I wanna read it like, wow, that's amazing, Philip. Because it says in Acts 8, as an example, as an example, it was Philip going to Samaria. Tom, would you speak um, just a little bit on um, the purpose of prophecy, but this guidance can be something that um, we have to be very careful with. Yeah, good. Um, So that, that listing that Chester's talking about there that says guidance, you want to be really careful. Um, there's some do's and don'ts we'll talk about. When you're starting out, don't prophesy births. You're going to have twins, right? Um, you're going to get married in, um, in um, or real negative stuff. I see that you've been involved in some really dark. Some, remember, it's to encourage and exhort. Now, if you have a severe warning for someone, get a hold of a pastor or an elder, talk it through and say, look, this is what I was getting. Um, I remember an example, we were in Brazil with Randy and one of the folks had a prophetic revelation that one of the pastors on the staff in the church in Brazil was in an adulterous relationship, saw the word adultery over the pastor's head. And like, you're not gonna go up and say, Pastor, I understand from the word of the spirit, you're in, you're in adultery. And that's not gonna go down real well. So went to Randy and they prayed about it and actually brought it to an elder and confronted and in fact it was true. But why is that? For redemption. But again, stay in your lane and ask the Holy Spirit on how do I, how do I bring this forward, right? Um, we had a situation, we were in Resistencia, Argentina twice, but on the first trip, 
one of the pastors kept hitting on one of our ministry team young ladies. And it's a good thing I didn't lay hands on them um, because well, we realized at that point, I took that to the senior leadership of the church we were in. I said, remember this, mama? And we confronted, I said, I don't know what's going on, but this pastor, he's been an inappropriate one of our, one of our young women, and you need to get this in order. <clears throat> so they confronted him, and actually, that was just the tip of the iceberg. And when they investigated it, there were other women in his own church that had been also gotten some stuff going on. We went back the next year. He had been removed from his ministry. His marriage was in distress. We ended up doing prayer ministry on both him and his wife for reconciliation. And as far as I know, they reconciled. So again, there's a, there's a the Lord will give you revelation, but the, the purpose of this is be careful when you're giving guidance on that. It's like, Lord, I don't, why are you showing me this? Is it to pray? Is it to do something with it? I need to know what you want me to do with the fact that, because one, you may be wrong, right? Um, or you may be right. <laughs> and so bring it to someone. It's kind of like bad news can go up. Don't go sideways with it, right? Okay. So does that, does that help, Chester? Okay. Let's, uh, let's quickly move on here. So turn the page to 13.4. And it just goes through what does exhort mean? It gives you scriptures in Titus, exhort your servants to be obedient, comfort um, in affliction, edify, lift them up. Um, And then it gives what's an imperative prophecy or directive prophecy, you can read through that. And then let's talk about the office of the prophet because we talked about all should prophesy, but then there's the office of the prophet And in Ephesians, I think we shared this maybe last week or week before, in Ephesians 4.11 where it talks about the fivefold ministry gifts that the Lord himself, Jesus, gives, right? In Ephesians 4 it says, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And their purpose is kind of what we're doing here, which is basically equip the saints, perfect the saints so they can do the works of ministry. And so that's how it's all supposed to work. The Father establishes the operations, the Lord sets up the administration, and then the Holy Spirit sets up the giftings of all the people. And when that's all in place, when you have the fivefold ministry gifts in place, the body operates well, every joint supplies. So that's the direction, and, and I believe, I've, I've prayed into for years for the fivefold ministry to be in operation, and we have it, praise God. And so, 1 Corinthians, chapter, the verse, next page, 13, 5, 12, 28. God has set some in the church. First, he, he iterates this again in Corinthians in chapter 12. Apostles, prophets, and teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, government, diversity of tongues. Let me skip ahead. Um, you remember when Jesus had the discussion about the prophet's reward? And so, one of the, Things we've learned, I remember Pastor Terry said, one, we're wondering why we see all these, we were seeing all these miracles in Brazil, Argentina, other places, but we weren't seeing them in America. Part of that answer is the, the, the honor that you, you give to the one who's come. Remember when the, the example of that in, um, when Jesus goes back to his hometown, right, in Mark chapter six, 
He does all these miracles. Remember the, the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus' daughter's raised from the dead, right, in Mark chapter five. In Mark chapter six, he leaves that miraculous event, raising the dead, healing the sick, the man with the, from the, the, all the demons, right? He's set, he set free and in his right mind he becomes an evangelist, goes to chapter six and he goes back to his hometown and he can't do many miracles there. And that's where he says, a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. He's in his own place. We're too familiar. There's this stuff, there's all this controversy and doctrinal disagreements and everything, but when you get to a place where there's extreme poverty, extreme witchcraft, and brokenness and no healthcare system, when we've been in those places, I'm telling you, it is ripe for God to show up, and he does. Because if it doesn't show up, they die. If you've read my book, that the first miraculous things we saw, I said, Lord, I gotta see your power. That first night, we're in a place, that church was so poor. When we drove down into that region with the tin roofs and the favelas and the brokenness, and it was like, oh my God, this is... This is real poverty. They had put on their best dress and they're there and they're worshiping and when we prayed, Lord, we ask that you'd release healing anointing. When you pray for someone that realizes they have breast cancer and if God doesn't show up, they'll probably die. They have come with a hunger that Jesus is the answer I'm after. It's the woman with the issue of blood. And when that happens, they honor those. They honor Randy. They've already alignment. They've got the apostolic leader who's been invited to come, the apostolic covering who's in that nation, who's been established there, and the elders have released him and said, come, and they come, and they set it up, and the people come with hunger, and then what God does is the honor of the prophet, right? And so when we come and say, well, maybe God will show up, and we don't show any honor, there's like, there's something about the attitude of the heart and the hunger that's there. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. So be careful about honor and dishonor. We are, we're an independent people, and that's a positive, but it can be really a negative, right? So this whole thing of submission in the democracy we've talked about, the kingdom of God is not a democracy, it's a theocracy, and it's run by a king, and his name is Jesus, right? And so, all right. And get off on track on that. Um, bottom of 13.6 says, but not all prophecy can be of the Lord. Right? That's why he says, don't despise prophecy. First Thess- in 1 Thessalonians 5 there, that should be 1 Thessalonians, put a one in front of it. 5.20 and 21, bottom of 13.6, do not despise prophecy, but prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. So then we know we kind of reiterate again on page 13.7, follow after love but desire that gift. Now, prophetic revelation, I want to hit this hard in page, the middle of page 13.7. Prophetic revelation can come in many ways, and this is what Pat was referring to. Sometimes it's just a little glimmer, right? Um, a little picture, it can be a written word. Let me digress for a minute, but... Um, my life story changed when a combination of things happened in this. If you know, what, when, I, when I was working for General Electric, and at that point I was at Motors Division in Georgia, I'd finished my nuclear stint here at the, at the, Kessel, at the site here at uh, Castle Hain. 
But I come back on vacation. I had just traveled back from Tunisia. We had a plant, GE had a plant, Motors plant in Tunisia. I went there, did an audit, met with the, I'm sitting on the coast in Africa of Tunisia. I fly back, I am jet lagged. It's spring break. I tell my wife, I've been traveling. I said, honey, let's, let's go back to Wilmington. I just want to sit on the beach, right? So we come back on spring break to sit on the beach. I wake up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, jet lagged. I'm on Tunisia time. We got the kids in the hotel. My wife, we're at Waterway Lodge over there, just over Wrightsville Beach. And we had spent four years living here in Wilmington. So we knew everybody. We wanted to come back to the Vineyard Church and kind of fellowship with everybody, see our, our small group, and like, yay. So I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm... I've been leading people to Christ. You know, I'm flying from Tokyo to, to Taiwan, and I'm, I'm leading and I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I want to do this GE thing the rest of my life. You've got to talk to me. I, I, am, I know I'm, I'm a little burned out with all the travel and everything, but, but I also think there's something. So would you please, I, oh, Lord, would you speak to me? So I get on the beach, Coast Guard Beach, five, five six o'clock in the morning, the sun's coming up, and I do Bible roulette, God speak to me. <laughs> now, if I hadn't just flown back from Tunisia and I, the other side of the world, this probably, but one of the revelations that comes prophetically is the written word. So if you look at Isaiah 41, so I open to Isaiah 41. I do this, I don't recommend this always, but if you're gonna fleece God, um, yeah, it's, the word's a good place to fleece him. And so I open to Isaiah, I do this. Isaiah 41, 9 and 10, I called you back from the ends of the earth saying you are my servant to serve me. I'm like, uh-oh, I think you're speaking, do-do-do-do-do-do, right? I have chosen you, I will not throw you away, don't be afraid, I'm with you, don't be discouraged for I'm your God, I will strengthen you, help you, and withhold you with my victorious right hands. That was April 8th, 1998. So I, I had this moment on the beach where I said, Lord, if you're really calling me as a servant, and I, man, I, this sits in my office, it's, you, some of you have seen it, I have it over my desk at home, because as many times, you said you would withhold me with your victorious right hand, that you would not leave me. And I have recalled that many times to him. But then I said, okay, God, if that's from you, as a written word of revelation prophetically for my life, we had a little bit of a problem. I got a wife that said she'll never be a pastor's wife because she's seen all the sheep bites and what they do. In fact, we're ministering at a church in Georgia. At this time, the pastor's wife wants to quit because of all the stuff that she's been going through. Church split. And so I said, we got a problem, so you gotta, you gotta do something with this woman because I won't force her into ministry unless she's willing to go. So I get back to the hotel and I tell her, I said, uh, Honey, I think I got a word from the Lord. Look at this. She goes, I told you, I will not be a pastor's wife. I said, okay. So then the next morning, it's a little later, 6.30. I'm at Coast Guard Beach again. They're still all sleeping. I said, so Lord, the ball's in your court. <laughs> um, I need two prophetic words and my wife. Here's the deal. If you convince my wife that this is the next call in our life, and you send me two prophets or prophetic revelation people, then I will resign from General Electric and I'll serve you till the day I die. That's the deal. So I think I'm pretty safe, right? So 
unbeknownst to me, God's working all night on my wife. So I get back to the hotel, we get our coffee, we, kids wanna go to the beach, I said, honey, she goes, we gotta talk. I said, okay, okay, what's the matter? She goes, I had a dream all night long. Ginny, why don't you trust me? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you trust me? And then shows her hundreds of dark-skinned children around a Land Rover. That was fulfilled in Mozambique when we went. And she started crying after dancing in the, in the dirt with these kids for about three hours with Coke cans with rocks in them. And then when she came out and she said, it's my dream, it's the revelation. I said, fulfillment of it. So, so she says, so if you wanna do this, you believe God's doing it, I'm in. I said, okay, hold on. There's two other things. We need two prophetic words that people don't know. So that night, we get invited as alumni to our small group, we led a small group for, under Steve Madison, Cynthia Madison, senior pastor's wife. And so we're at Jane Smith's house, this fine southern lady, beautiful setup, all of our small groups there. She's serving us a ham dinner in the middle of serving my plate. She served my wife first. She goes, hanging there in the meeting, mid, mid-air. She goes, you have to come back and be one of our pastors here at this church. My wife just, I almost had to do the Heimlich maneuver on my wife. And she said, Jane, oh, you're, Jane, I'm a G guy, you know. Well, you know, one of the pastors is leaving, Tom Camacho's leaving, the worship pastor's leaving, and okay. So we just chalked it off, and then I met with Steve Mattis, senior pastor, I said, and he had already, as soon as I walked in, after being gone for months, we had hunted in Colorado together, we'd hunted in the mountains in Georgia, he and his whole family came down for Thanksgiving. When I walked in the church that Sunday morning and the flags were going on, I felt like, man, this is home. My wife said, doesn't that feel really good? I said, yeah. We'd been there for you know, almost four years, and three and a half years, and Steve walked up and he says, let me know if you ever wanna come back here and be my associate. I go, Steve, you know I'm a GE lifer. <laughs> he goes, yeah, mm-hmm. Just, he had that way of just, mm-hmm. And so, no more drama, no more anything. Kids at the beach, pack up, head back to Georgia, eight hours in the car, kids in the car. After a whole week of vacation, I'm like, ah. Get back, phone rings. A lady from our church in Georgia says, we need to come to your house tonight. Her name was Barbara Sependa. Jack was a guy who was I had worked with, they knew people, and they had actually lived here, had been in this church for a while, they wanted all the stories. So what's happening, you know, look, <laughs> we're not, let's do this later in the week, no, we have to come tonight. I said, we got luggage, we got kids, we got work tomorrow. Yeah, that's okay, but we're coming over. <laughs> okay. They get there, and we're just chatting, and then we're sitting on the, I just bought this house. It was there, you know, a year and a half, and, uh, Jack Sapenda, he's 6'4". Whenever the Holy Spirit would come on him, he was Russian Orthodox, and he gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he'd start doing this. I'm, so we're there, we're talking, and all of a sudden he goes, I'm going, he goes, and he goes into tongues. And he interprets it, he goes, I see a General Electric sign with a red line through it. You're not gonna work for the General Electric company. You and your wife and Katie are gonna be in a church. I said, oh, okay. my wife looks at me like, Uh uh-oh, number two just happened, uh, second prophecy. So we go to, we said, look, well, let's not freak the kids out. Um, Let's let's go to, we go to, uh, we went to some restaurant, and we sat there, and I laid out the story. He goes, well, you're done. You need to, so, back here. 
Written word opened the door with a willing heart because you your free will can say no, right? Reinhard Bunke says he was God's third choice to go to Africa to lead what, 10 million to the Lord, right? Tommy Hicks, the same kind of thing in the Argentine revival. You have a free will, you can say no. You cannot prophesy. You cannot minister. But I just shared with you Sunday about the rewards that won't be there for you <laughs> or me, right? So, so we don't have to get freaked out, but like, don't you want the best, what God has for you? He has the best. There may be good things, but he wants the best. So there was a written word, there was no audible voice, but there was an internal confirmation for me, and then there was the revelation of the prophetic word given by both Jane and Jack, which then, I think they got it right. 23 years later, here we are. <laughs> you know? So. And I w- I've told people before, I said, look, it, there's lots of not fun things, but I would never have changed any part of it to where we are. So, okay, so look at those impressions, dreams. So I wanna call Dylan up. Dylan has this really, I think a, just a, a really awesome gift that's operating. I, I witness a lot with, so he had two dreams this week. which I think are relevant to where we are. Hey everybody. I had um, run two dreams by Tom this week and I just really felt like it was, this was something to share and submit with the body here. So I'm gonna go ahead and read through these. Um, the first, I just kind of have like a, just a little bit of some prayer time I spent with the Lord afterwards, just trying to figure out maybe what this meant, what this could apply to. And the second, I feel like it just speaks for itself. So the first, um, this was on the 27th. So I had a dream and I was on a boat with many people here. Um, and as we were going along the water, a pretty large wave approached. The boat handled it very well. Nobody fell off, there was no damage or anything. But very shortly after, I mean, we were all like shocked at the suddenness of it. It's kind of like when you talk about something that's you're hoping for in the future and it, when it's actually here and you're seeing it, it's a different story. It's one thing to talk about it, another thing for it to actually be here. So this second wave approaches, it was 120 feet tall, exactly. The boat was flooded with water this time. And it swept away most of the belongings that we had brought on it. For context, the belongings were things that maybe we didn't even need to be bringing with us kind of like on an airplane when you had the, the uh, containers up top, the water just kind of like swished all the way, took my work laptop away from me, still processing some things with that, but um, <laughs> I wrote, it was very, yeah, it was, it was very costly. It costed us something as this wave was coming. And as I went in prayer, um, I just couldn't help but think that the season that we're in, these are very heavy and large waves of glory that are coming, and it's gonna require something. It's gonna require turning away from some things, putting down some things in order to steward this, right? And then I was reminded of the story of Elisha watching Elijah get taken up. When Elisha was watching, he saw the flames and he saw the chariots come down and take Elijah up. The sons of the prophets that were there, that were in unbelief, all they saw was the tornado. 
they didn't see him go up. They just saw the tornado come and destroy stuff. So I felt like that was in, in kind of very similar in a likeness of what that was. The second one, or the second dream was literally this, the night later. So on the 28th, I titled this one, The Healing Anointing. So in this dream I saw, the Lord was transforming Global River Church. We were here into more of a teaching and equipping center. Suddenly a great anointing fell on those in, in attendance. It was so powerful that it was tangible, literally in our hands. Pastor Tom approached me with the smile he usually has. And with his hand stretched out, he said, "Woo, this healing anointing can even be felt physically in my hands. And I could immediately feel the power of God go into my hands for healing. And I was like wanting to put my hands on everybody. But um, right after that, a podium came out from the ground in the middle of the people and the Lord wanted to speak. Everyone was running around kind of going crazy because of our hands were tingling and there was the anointing that had fallen. And the Lord spoke to about two or three people and we approached the podium to share the word of the Lord. What he had told me was trust in him, right? That was what he spoke to me in the dream. And I went up to share and there was a person in front of me ready to share, but the room was so loud that what the Lord was wanting to speak couldn't even be heard because we were so captivated by the power and the anointing and the healings that were taking place. And so the man in front of me took out a whistle and he blew the whistle very loud, shook the whole building to get everyone's attention. And we stopped, quieted down, and we heard what he had to say. And the messages of the, the, messages of the Lord were now able to be released. And that was the second dream wow. I had. That's awesome. So, so Dylan uh, sends me that as an email on Monday morning. So I test it. I, I go into, okay, Lord, show me what that is. So I did some research the 120, exact, you're sitting on a boat, how do you know it's exactly a 120 foot wave? I've been in waves in the ocean on surface ships and submarines, that's, yeah. So there's something really significant about the 120. And so I find all this Google says, I heard the Lord say the number 120 has significance, great significance, and the meaning of the numbers. And then if you think about the 120, when Jesus tells them to hang out in the upper room, there's only 120 that make it in the prayer meeting after, I think it's 10 days. Can you imagine going to a prayer meeting for 10 days with no Holy Ghost? Because he hadn't been poured out yet? That'd be like, so the hungry ones are there. <laughs> so there's something about that that is really significant. 120 years is what you've been promised to live. There's a lot of significant, you look at how many times 120 is used, how many jubilees, there's, 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 there's a whole bunch of, like that's really significant in those who are in the upper room were waiting for him. They were on the boat. Now, wasn't it, where's Lisa, Lisa Goff? Didn't you say something about a wave this morning in prayer? Jesse keeps talking about seven tidal waves. Jesse's talking about seven tidal waves. Right, and you are all talking about how we, about kings and queens. We better get you on, hold on. <laughs> We got people listening online. If the tidal wave starts here the, and goes across the nation, that would bring kings and queens to find out how it started. Yeah, yeah. 
So the wave of his glory, right, the, the glory river. I'm gonna share, um, I'll just give you a taste right now because I think Sunday's gonna be something. Chester Starling, who was one of the founding elders of the Vineyard Church when it was planted here, when the Heritage Baptist Church was going out of business, and at that point, Steve, and, and, uh, Steve Mattis and Chester came here, and the church was given to start the Vineyard Church here. And so, Elder uh, Chester, when Chester speaks, I generally listen. <laughs> and he had a prophetic revelation Sunday, uh, last, this last Sunday, of a glory train. And if... So I love how God sets this up. You remember Pastor Edward Atwa, the Nigerian, uh, the, not Nigerian, that's the Nigerian pastor. Um, which, Cameroon. He was here, when the first tent went up in uh, Moravian Falls, Neil Blake invited him, of the 80 speakers, his was one of the top speaking, everyone who wanted the tapes and all that was his. Well, he was invited by Neil to come back, was here in September, connected with us in a powerful way. Um, I ended up spending time, had him over the house for dinner. He prophesied, I won't go into it now, but it's starting to unfold. Do you remember the thing he said? I didn't, but my staff reminded me today, because he called me Friday, but I'm off on Friday, so I didn't call him back until day, but that staff meeting, they already said, do you remember? I said, you know, Pastor Edward called me, and because was I think it was Pat, somebody said, don't you remember what he said about the glory train? I said, no. <laughs> what about the glory train? So, I, because when Chester gave me the, stuff on the glory train, which I'll share Sunday. Um, so I called it Pastor Edward. I said, tell me about this message of the glory. He says, don't you remember? You all were in the glory train. You were the passengers on the train and the glory of God is coming. I said, do you know we've had a prophetic word about Global River being the glory river? He goes, oh, he got all wound up, man. He was, he goes, oh my gosh. And anyway, so I won't give you all that he said, but it was, wow. And so, again, these are prophetic revelations that are being released to encourage and exhort. They're the breadcrumbs that the Lord is showing us. This is the way, walk in it, right? And so, so when we look at how you get prophetic revelation, pay attention. It can come to your senses, can be uh, an internal word, an external word. There are those that, you know, like I said, when I heard streetcar named desire, I mean, it, it wasn't audible, but it certainly felt audible. It was like, right? So the Lord wanted, so pay attention to these little signs. The dreams and visions, I would encourage you to write them down. I'm not trying to uncover you, but do you remember that training we went to at Fort Mills? And they, uh, it was Mahesh Shabdas uh, training, and we went beforehand. Yeah. And they, one of the things they taught at that time, which was really new to you too, I remember you saying, is that don't ignore even the simplest thing that goes before you. So if you see a picture, something, you don't even know what it is, you see a picture and you just ignore it, then yeah. you might have lost what the Lord right. was trying to show you. Yeah, so pay attention to the, the minor details of things, like why did I just have that thought? Or why did I just have that sense, right? Okay, moving on. Some ways to measure prophetic word. So you get the word, how do I know it's from God? I often hear like, how do I hear God? Well, one, let's look at this. It says, is it scriptural? 
That's a really good test. If it's not scriptural, then dismiss it, right? Um, would the prophet tell you, that, or the prophetic person telling you this, would they be willing to say it in public as well as in private? Or is this some kind, this is this kind of caution against the manipulation and control stuff. For example, um, there's a scam going on right now. Um, someone is using Jesse Green's uh, website and all that, and they sent a prophetic word to Diana. She wouldn't mind me sharing it, one of our staff members, said, this is from Jesse, that if you'll make a, a um, contribution to this orphanage in Africa, you're gonna receive this. So Diana brings it to me, I said, nah, nah, I ain't right. And so, so we call up Jesse, he said, no, they, they're scammers, they're doing this thing, ignore that, I would never do that. And so, now there are ministries that says, if you'll make this contribution, this is what's gonna happen to you. That just doesn't feel right, all right? So be careful about what, does it bear witness with your spirit? If it's like, man, I get all checks around that. I, then the Holy Spirit lives in you and dwells in you and quickens your more bodily, more, more body, so pay attention, right? Ask him, James 1.5, Lord, I don't have wisdom on this. What, what do you, man, I do this probably every day. Lord, I don't know what to do about that. What, what do you think? Could you reveal to me what I should do about that? If I don't get a clear direction, I don't generally move until I do. If I have to, I'll say, Lord, I'm going out here, and I'm, this is what I'm gonna do, and if it's not right, you gotta stop me. Was the word delivered, delivered in an attitude of love? Did it feel manipulative or controlling? I have a small testimony that will make everybody wonder about prophetic uh, things and how God speaks to us specifically. One day I'm sitting in my living room with my daughter and I get a thing in my head that I want to go to Walmart. No reason at all, I just wanted to go to Walmart. So we get in the car, we drive to Walmart, as soon as I closed the door on my car, I had to go to the bathroom really fast. I said, Jennifer, I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go now. Hurry up, let's go, let's go, let's go. So we get to into the threshold. She says, Ma, I'm gonna go shopping. I said, don't go too far. So I go into the ladies room. As soon as I step over the threshold of the ladies room, I did not have to go to the bathroom anymore. However, I looked down on the floor and there was this woman lying on the floor in the ladies room. Now, I don't know about you guys, I wouldn't lie down on the floor in my own bathroom, never mind Walmart's bathroom. <laughs> this woman was in trouble. She couldn't breathe, she was sweating, she was extremely obese. I mean, I never seen anybody this big before. And I just knelt down to her and I said, are you a Christian lady? And she said, yeah. She nodded her head, she couldn't even speak. I said, would you like me to pray for you? She said, yeah. I said, okay. So I prayed God to heal her. Sweating went away. Breathing came back normal. Smile on the face. She gets up into a sitting position 
in a safe sitting position. And I said, you feel better now, don't you? She said, oh, yes. So I said, is there anybody you want me to call? She gave me her daughter's name. I went to the cash register to announce what's going on. I go back to the bathroom, and she's standing up with a big smile on her face. And I said, the Holy Spirit healed you, didn't, she, didn't he? And she said, oh, yes, he did. And I said, well, my job is done here. And I'm so glad I didn't wet my pants. <laughs> you got to love that, right? You, you. Should someone who, if someone giving you a prophetic word, should they ask you questions? If they have the prophetic word, do they need to ask questions? Um, Maybe, um, if, if, if they're having, let's say, let's say they're trying to sort out the word, right? Um, they maybe have a word of knowledge or they have a revelation that they wanna give, but they're trying to, you know, sometimes, for example, um, I'm praying for someone and the Lord then gives me a prophetic revelation. Um, in fact, it happened in the tent probably three weeks ago. This woman from another city had come here. Mama Addie ended up helping me with that when I called her over because it was a woman. And, and um, the Lord gave me a download. She started, she said, I'm here. And I have, this started with, I have a lot of pressure in my head. Remember this, Mama? Had a lot, of, like I have this tremendous pressure in my head and it doesn't seem to go away. And so then I got this picture of an issue with her father and potentially her mother. And I said, tell me, can you, can you tell me a little bit before we go into more, I'm trying to now diagnose, are we dealing with a deliverance issue? Are we dealing with a healing issue? So I start asking her questions about, can you tell me something about your father and mother? And then she starts to cry. My dad died, I was really close to him, he had a heart attack, and, and my mom into drugs and broken and so fractured, and, and I'm so afraid for my brother. So all of a sudden, like, okay. Now we're dealing with a broken heart, and the pressure and the anxiety and the fear and the torment, so we start down that path and praying for her, and then she got, so maybe, if you're trying to gather some information to clarify, um, example, um, I remember, remember Cookie, what was Cookie's last name? Cookie Parker. So she's on a trip with us. Uh, we're in Brazil, and we're learning about words of knowledge, and we're in this large church in uh, Manaus, thousands of people. And Cookie gets this word of knowledge about a red rose under a hammock. And she goes, now we were told, don't expound on it, don't add to it, just, you know. So she goes, and um, the tremendous pain uh, of the person in the, and that, so she gets up, gives the word of knowledge. Is there anybody here, now there's thousands in this room, are there anybody here that a significant of a, of a rose, a red rose under the hammock that you're in and the person's in severe pain? Well, it turns out there was a young girl who was in excruciating pain, and that was her. They would, she would sit in the only place she could try to find comfort. Anyway, that, that word is very specific. Unlo this woman comes down, unlocks that word. She gets healed. So part of the prophetic story is pay attention to those like, this doesn't make any sense really, right? Do you remember a couple weeks ago when Hannah was here, the 13-year-old girl that was ministering with Jesse, the prophetic revelation, when she got in the tank, right? So I get this 
driving down I-40, headed to the farm on Saturday afternoon. I said, Lord, is there anything you want to do tomorrow that, uh, that you'd like me to involve anybody with? He says, yeah, I'd like you to um, call Hannah. I gave her mom in the tent Hannah's video. So I had um, Megan Wicker's email address and phone number. He says, I'd like you to invite them and have Hannah pray for the children tomorrow and have her give her testimony. I said, oh, okay. So I text her, and she says, Hannah would love to come and give her testimony and pray for the children. I said, that's awesome. Well, when she gets here, she's sitting right here, and the Lord gives me a picture for the mother of her wearing a, when I used to scuba dive, they give you this lead belt, right, that weighs you down so you can go into the depths, right? And I just saw the picture. I said, all I saw was the weight belt. And I said, Megan, I just feel like the Lord, you've been wearing this weight that's been weighting you down, and the Lord wants you to take that off. And I can't remember, I said, run the race. So again, it's these, there's these purposes that God will give you. Pay attention to what they are. You don't have to have all the revelation of it, but you need to go with it, right? So I want to share something that happened to me at work. This was several months ago maybe even over a year or two ago. I was in a meeting at work, and there were about maybe seven of us. There's this lady that was sitting across from me. You know, like Pastor has been talking about uh, throughout the session, uh, asking the Holy Spirit to give you a word. That's powerful. You have not because you ask not. Ask him, ask him about your children, about your job, about that next decision you're about to make, about everything, everything. Ask him. So that's one aspect. Another aspect is the Holy Spirit just whispering into your ears or telling you stuff without you asking. And that's the example I'm about to share. So I was in this meeting. I wasn't thinking about the Holy Spirit. I wasn't thinking about church. I was at work. <laughs> so I was listening to what was happening, contributing to the meeting. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, she is a Methodist. The woman that's sitting across from me, she's a Methodist. Going back to that question, I said, huh? She, I was having this dialogue with the Holy Spirit while the meeting was going on. She's a Methodist. He said, the Lord said, ask her. She's a Methodist. <laughs> so uh, when we had a short break, um, I kind of weaved the conversation into, are you a Methodist? <laughs> because I'll be honest with you, my faith level was maybe like 60-70%. Like, she's a Methodist. Who says that? In the middle of a meeting. And she said, yes, I'm a Methodist. And then she went on and talked about this. So after the meeting was over, I was able to talk to her one-on-one and speak to her about, about the Lord because that was an opener. She's a Methodist. I'm like, huh? What is that? I mean, and I heard it, like Pastor said, as clear as a bell in my spirit. Like somebody's talking to me, but nobody in the room heard anything. I just, she's a Methodist. So there has been many instances like that. There was another incident. I was walking in the hallway, and I met a guy who's a pastor in Wilmington, and I just felt drawn to him to have a conversation. So we started having a conversation, and before I knew it, there was prophesying going on, and then the man is beginning to cry in the hallway. I was like, please don't do that. <laughs> we are at work. So, yeah, going back to what Pastor has been admonishing us to, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him, ask him. And don't confine it to church. Don't confine it to 
um, spiritual places. God can speak at Walmart. He can speak like my, my sister just shared. He can lead you in any way, in any area of life. So open yourself up to hear from him. Thank you. It's good. Amen. And then act on it. It's like, wow. So let me, let me land this thing, a couple of things that, so on page 13.9, it says kind of some guidance on when you're giving prophecy. Um, don't go past the word God's given you. If he, say, if he says, Randy used this example, I think he heard, you remember this one? Green hose. Green, he, all he got was green hose. And <laughs> it's like green hose, wow, that's really prophetic. Um, <laughs> it turns out, um, a guy had fallen over the green hose, broken something, and so, fire department hose, yeah, he, he, yeah. So, don't go past the word, just go with what you got. Um, when God is speaking, be quiet. <laughs> Listen to what he's saying. Um, may, don't have to necessarily put time frame on it, because there are prophetic words being un, that are being fulfilled now that were given 15, 20 years ago. I was telling somebody the other day that we were in Brazil in uh, 2001 and we were with Randy Clark and our team, there was eight of us from the church and we ended up, because we got to the meeting five hours early, (laughs) we we ended up with two prophetic pastors from this church in a hotel room with myself, Randy, our eight people in the church and uh, Jamie Galloway. These guys, and we have the cassettes, (laughs) cassette tapes of these and actually translate also uh, in written form, those prophetic words are being fulfilled now. One of them was, they said, when he looked at Katie, he said, there will be a day when they will come and they will pick her up and she will go and she will prophesy and she'll minister. That is happening regularly. He's preaching in Wallace and, you know, so anyway, so it's like, wow. So okay, so don't don't go past it and then, yeah, how to hear the voice of God? Yeah, we'll cover that. Um, all right, let's turn and look at, um, we got that, we got that, okay. On 1313, I just wanna cover this. How does this happen, right? Remember the example in scripture, this is out of 1 Samuel 19, so the top of page 1313, if you walk into an atmosphere where prophecy is happening, some folks will start prophesying that you say, what in the heck, how does that happen? This is an example where Saul, King Saul, is on a mission to kill David. If you look at 1 Samuel 19, we won't go there, verse 23, um, King Saul has already commissioned soldiers to kill David, so he's, a, he's got a murdering spirit on him, <laughs> and he operates, he gets into the school of the prophets under an environment of prophecy, and he starts prophesying. So you can be in a place, that, that I think f- also fits whether it's healing anointing, deliverance ministry, when you're under someone who's carrying that gifting, that can flow in the environment and you can be part of that whole, that's why, when you, that's why it's so important that you get enough people in agreement, because remember, how can two walk together, Amos says, unless they agree. Unity is powerful. What's gonna happen in North Carolina and South Carolina? Unity. Because when there's division, it's, and man, we've had examples of offense going on, and it's one of the indicators that revival's here, because if you're getting offended, and your flesh is rising up, then there's the devil is at work. 
And it's going to take mature people to grow up and do what the Lord said in Matthew 18. If you're offended, go privately. Stop your gossiping and deal with it individually. Because if you'll do that, that unity will flow. Because what did he say in Psalm 133? He commands a blessing. When brethren dwell together in unity, it will sabotage the move. We gotta not... I got a very low tolerance for it. I'm telling you right now, I will escort you to the back of the tent because this is too important, right? Grow up and deal with your stuff and put your flesh in order, right? We've had three sermons on this, right? The dangerous road to revival, right? There's there's rewards for those who are ready and believers, right? Okay, I'm getting wound. All right. I just want you to see when that prophetic revelation starts happening, that's why Friday night, people like Joanne Moody comes and there's this environment of healing. When you come under the tent, under someone who carries that anointing, you can expect, so come expecting. Pray into it, believe on it. Lord, come on, we want to see miracles. We want you to see power evangelism. Because when you come in and you honor the prophet who's coming here, and we honor that and believe with that, guess what? God will show up. Okay. I won't get too much into the office of the prophet. Some, some literature, those who have been doing this a long time, say it takes about 14 years to become into the office of the prophet. I don't know how they get that number, but it's, All I see is Philip the evangelist, it took him about 20 years to become an evangelist, right? From when he operated in House of Mercy ministry till Acts chapter 21. I don't know the timing of that, but I don't like when someone pulls out a card and says, want my card, I'm an evangelist, or I'm an apostle, or... (laughs) The, The gift will make room for you. You don't have to advertise, if, you, if you're in a humble place, you don't have to advertise anything. You will change garbage bags, clean toilets, and do it because the Lord wants you to do it, and it needs to be done. So this whole idea is this jealousy, competition, comparison, please, that's another thing that'll shut it all down. It's all about him and his glory, and as long as we get on the train, we're going with him, right? So let's not get lull, this whole thing about you know, the sheep at the trough button each other out of the way. Come on, let's not do that, right? Okay, hallelujah. The eagle, uh, there's a symbol there on page 13, 14. Generally, the eagle is the symbol of the prophetic. I have one in my office. It is this beautiful eagle bird with the eagle's eyes. They can see for so far. If you ever hear uh, Leif Hetland's testimony about the eagles, oh my goodness, that is powerful. So prophetically, all right, so how do we get started? 1315, getting started and then we're gonna land it. One, getting started in prophecy on page 1316, first ask. Top of the page, 1316. Getting started in prophecy, ask the Holy Spirit and seek this gift to be activated in the kingdom growth. So, what I'd like you to do, you can practice this Sunday morning or tomorrow. When you see somebody, you could practice this on family member or somebody in the church. Look at them, preferably maybe not somebody you know. So, I'll give you permission Sunday. If somebody that you don't know comes up to you and I want you to pray Show me something about this person. It needs to be encouraging, not critical, <laughs> not judgmental, right? 
Something that you want to encourage that person. It could be, um, man, I've watched Jan and Terry operate. They do things so quietly, serving. Do, it could be a prophetic word and encouraging revelation is, you are such servants. Man, we need people like you in the church that just make it all work. Now, that's true, but it's also prophetic, and it's also encouragement, so that, like, they might go home really happy, right? Like when I said, when John and Becky shared this morning, and John shared the communion, I was cutting the grass today, when I said, I gotta tell John, he needs to do more of that kind of stuff. I did, I was like, yeah, there's a, there's a wealth there, right? It's a, and it's also some of the prophetic word I think Abner gave you in the tent in September about like, God's gonna open some doors, right? If I remember that, right? So, so my point is, Sunday, ask the Lord to show you something about someone that you don't really know very well and go over and give him an encouraging word and, see, and then listen and see what the Lord says. Right? I want you to encourage you to practice that. And so that's getting started. Then, what are some of the guidelines? Page 13.7, these are kind of the do's and don'ts. We've already talked about this. Take care of any sin in your life. If you got open doors and you're trying to operate in prophetic or any of the ministries, deliverance, you got a wide open door and that joker can land on you and cause you some trouble. So purity matters. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you that gift Submit to the group prophecy, whoever's leading, right? You'll notice we're in submission to, to Pastor Jesse and Parker, right? We're submitted to them. We're, we're, why? I've told them, we want revival. We are saying yes. What do you need? What do you need? And they're kind of blown away with, wow, you guys mean it. <laughs> yeah, we do been waiting 23 years for it. The train's coming. I don't want to miss the train. Right? Okay. So then look at the guidelines here. Journal, you're, you're, I want to just pick up on Dylan's dream where the wave of the glory's coming and there will be those that will have their belongings washed over, the stuff that doesn't matter, like work laptops. They're valuable, but not in the context of revival. The second dream, I think, is also, what I told him, I texted back to him, I said, I think that happened Friday night. If you were in the tent Friday night with the, the baptismal tank, I think we've, we're over 375 people have now been baptized. The numbers are somewhere in that number <coughs> since they've been here in Wilmington. And we're in the front, and there is, it is chaos in the Holy Ghost. It's loud and you got God of revival, Yeshua, and this one's crying, and Pastor Willie's with me, and we're delivering a guy who's been in witchcraft for 12 years, and this one over here gets led to the Lord later. He's 20 years old, and it, it's like there's so much happening all over, and it's loud, and it, it's like, is this God? I, I think so, yeah. But it, the Pastor, doesn't look very orderly, okay. Um, Here's an example I like. Papa Bill Johnson shares it. If you go into the nursery, I, we, had for, we had a birthday party at the farm after, the, after church on Sunday. We had uh, six grandkids there and family, and we had five dogs. I mean, and they're screaming, balloons are flying, balloons are popping, you know, <laughs> toys are being opened. 
And I'm like, this is Holy Spirit family mess here. It's wonderful. Um, but it's chaotic. Go to the nursery. In the nursery, you got poopy diapers, you got spit up, you got one kid bopping another kid over the head because he took his truck, right? Um, you got another one, they're playing over there with dolls. It's like there is a tremendous amount of life going on in the nursery. Now, you may feel more comfortable at the graveyard where it's nice and quiet, but there's no life going on there. Give me the nursery, okay? With all the diapers and all the stuff, right? Because there's lots of life and there's lots of interaction and they're learning how to work with each other, how to grow up in the midst of it. So let's get away from the graveyard looks and let's celebrate, yet we'll do our best. So that dream about it's chaotic and like nobody's listening and they're all excited about the manifestation of the presence. I can feel it in my hand and everybody's yay. Yet the word of the Lord is trying to come out so, quiet, right? And it's like, let the Lord speak. So I think there's a, there's a real good warning in that. In the midst of it all, we'll celebrate what the Lord's doing, but there's a time when the word wants to be spoken, right? So, thank you for being patient. Next week, we're gonna have, we pray for us. The Greens and myself and Katie, we're going up to be prayed for by Randy Clark for the revival in July, so we're leaving Monday morning. Um, I'll be back Wednesday night. I promised Mary Esther I'd be here. So we're gonna drive to Pennsylvania and back. It's gonna be whoo And so, but we just felt like we were supposed to go up there and pick up whatever the Lord has for us there. And so, pray for us for that, but then be back here Wednesday. But Sunday morning, Sunday morning, um, yeah, just come. Just go, let's stand, praise God. So Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in the equipping. Lord, I just pray for prophetic revelation of dreams. Lord, I just pray for people to get really, really um, hungry, desiring, going after prophetic revelation. And then Lord, I ask for an impartation right now. Pastor Bishop, would you come and pray a prophetic impartation? that the release of the prophetic will happen and we'll start to see it manifest in evangelism and power. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we stand as a people. You said in your word that these signs will follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. And these signs are a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus for a fresh release of fire. Yes. Lord, this is the house Come on, of God. fire. Thank you. Lord, Woo-hoo. we are asking for a fresh release of your fire. Yeah. To burn away the shafts. Yeah. To remove the dross. Yes. So that we can be a house that is holy, a house that is full of power, a house that is full of your anointing, a house that is full of your presence in every family, in every home, in every life. Lord, we ask for fire to fall. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall over the men, over the women, over the young, over the old. Let your fire fall over Pastor Tom as the leader of this house. Let your fire fall over this region, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, as a people, we stand and we declare darkness be pushed back in Jesus' name. We release the fire of God over this house, over every corner, every nooks and cranny of this house, in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Jesus. Thank you. Everyone that is struggling, they are discouraged, they are oppressed, they are about to give up. Lord, I'm asking for a new lease of life in the name of Jesus. I'm asking for uprooting of every evil that the enemy has planted in their lives be removed now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for sicknesses that have been there for a very long time. Lord, this is the season that you have spoken about. Lord, just like has been revealed through dreams, oh God, that there will be release of your power throughout the house. That it won't just be on the Pope, it won't just be on Pastor Tom, it will be on everyone, oh God, that we will all see healings, we will all see miracles in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Lord, we are asking for the release of your power. Power. The release of fire. (laughs) The release of your power in the name name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. In every home, in every life, in every household, in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Lord, I pray, oh God, that this power will attract people from every walks of life, from those who are PhDs, from those who are not educated. Lord, they will come in the name of the Lord Jesus Jesus because the power will draw them. The manifestation of your presence will draw them. The grace of God will draw them in the name of Jesus. Not just in this area, Lord, from another state, from other states, even from other Other countries. countries, Father, we pray that you bring bring them from from the highways and the byways in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Lord, anoint everyone, oh God, everyone, oh God, the youth, the pastors, the leaders, and those who even are are very, very quiet, very reserved, oh God. Lord, birth the lion inside them to come out. In the the name of the Lord Jesus, for Jesus is the lion of Judah, and he lives inside of every one of us. Lord, we are calling for that the lion will roar in this region, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let your fire fall, let your fire fall let your fire fall in jesus name hallelujah Hallelujah. praise the lord amen amen god bless y'all have a good night thank you bishop